0: Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome into the walkthrough. No intern Joe today, but the show rolls on. I'm Mike Euban. Alongside me is my colleague, Wes Mitchell. And Wes, as we uh, look back and reflect at this past weekend's game for South Carolina, there's a lot of good that we can talk about. But I think we just have to start with the fact that now we're talking about a game, this upcoming week against Clemson, where certainly it was going to mean something. But now it means even more because you've won the last three. You win this game, you're bull bound.
1: Yeah, Mike, and uh, I want to, first of all, let's throw a shout to our buddy Intern, intern Joe. Not with us here today, but you're, you're rocking the Intern
0: Joe shirt there. Yeah, I know. So. If you guys are watching on the YouTube show, Intern Joe has merch. <laughs> I mean, it's got his name Love on it. it and everything. I don't think he has like a website selling this stuff, but if he does, we'll definitely push that out there so the kid can get some more food so he's not eating just, you know, ramen and whatever college kids eat. Nothing wrong yeah. with like some pizza in there, but. You know, get get him up there a little bit. Yeah, we'll, we'll take him to the next level
1: there. But, yeah, shout-out intern Joe. And, you know, Mike, this is one of those things where people talked about this four-game stretch, of course, the last three games and then Clemson, and you sort of start to look ahead and you said, um, well, they could maybe salvage their season if they could get hot and, and go on a run here. And it, it kind of, for me, I think if you looked at those four games and you started kind of trying to check them off, you'd say – Of course, they should beat Jacksonville State. Ended up being probably closer than anybody over there was comfortable with. And you said they should beat Vandy, especially at home. But I was kind of already circling this Kentucky game and saying, Mm -hmm. of the four, if you're going to have a real chance to do this, I thought this game might possibly maybe even be more difficult than beating Clemson because, you know, rivalry game, there's so many different things that go into a game like that. I thought this was the big sort of uh can you clear this hurdle type game? And so obviously they did. They've got some momentum and they've kind of been able to, I feel like, to to build some confidence off of this uh November to remember mantra or whatever you know, whatever you want to call it. They play very, very well at Williams Price Stadium at night in November. And I, I think they're they're kind of building off of that, man. If you're Clemson coming into this thing, I think you're gonna get South Carolina's best shot.
0: Yeah, another night game. And what we saw this past week and Darude was in there. You want to talk about a solid investment by the University of South Carolina. The timing of that could not have been any better. And I don't think anyone could have predicted that USC would have been in a position that they were right. You have to win the next two games. Going to have a night game when they made this plan. I know it was something that USC was trying to make happen for a couple of years. But bottom line is, Darude was there, certainly helped with that home field advantage. When we look back over these last three games, Wes, what has really stood out to you the most about what South Carolina is doing? Is it just as simple as one phase? Is it just multiple things? Because I think what they're doing right now, it's got a lot of people excited because they're winning. But Mm -hmm. when you start to peel back the layers, it's because they're doing a lot of things that they weren't doing during that losing streak.
1: Yeah, man, I, I think the big picture thing is just complimentary football. You know, if one side kind of has a loyal uh has a lull, you know, the other side kind of picking them up, taking advantage of opportunities like that. You know, I, I think if we're being honest, certainly the competition they've played is a factor. I mean, it's a little bit different competition than what they were facing during that stretch where, you know, they were losing games. But I, I think you look, particularly this past week, just making plays on defense when you have those opportunities, creating turnovers whether that's getting your hand in there and, and you know, getting a getting a Paul on the quarterback, whether that's Nicky Manwari being in phase and going up and finishing the play to make an interception. I, I feel like during that stretch where they were really, really struggling, Mike, we saw them kind of be in position to make a couple of game-changing plays and mm-hmm. just not be able to finish them off. So, for me, if you want to talk about the three games just as a bundle in general, like what has stood out the most also – I got to credit this defense for continuing Hmm. to just battle, not giving up, not sort of succumbing to the outside noise and just saying, look, we're going to fight this thing. What do they say? We're going to stay in the fight. Uh, I think Clayton Clayton
0: White's been saying, yep.
1: Yeah, they've stayed in the fight, man. There's something to be said for that. Hasn't been perfect. The matchups have been a little bit better for them than they were during that stretch, if we're being completely honest. But they've hung in. They've played hard and they've, uh, they've started to make some plays. I saw your stat about takeaways, man. It's insane. Takeaways.
0: That's they're insane. Prepared. I came across that last week before doing the weekly quick slant story, and I'm just like, wait a minute. Okay, they're 0-3 when they haven't forced one. 10-0 and now at home in the last two years. I mean, that's just absolutely incredible. And as we all know, regardless of any stat, I know you knows, know this very well from covering the game, Cox, for as long as you have, yeah, we can make any story – by looking at a certain statistic, but there's something to be said about that. And what the defense did the other night, not just with the takeaways. And I know it gives some people PTSD. I said this on the post game show. This was a very similar situation in comparison to where they were a month ago against Florida. You have an opportunity to make a stop. You win the game. This defense, they didn't do that a month ago. Well, they did it this past week. and doesn't mean it makes that Florida game go away, but it shows that they're making progress. And you hope not just defense special teams that they've looked good over the last two weeks now they head into this Clemson game. You're feeling some momentum from those two phases, offensively, especially at home. They've been great this year, but now you're coming off a game where it was a letdown for the majority of the game. What makes you feel good about this offense still heading into this last game despite what they did last last week?
1: Yeah, I think um, I'll start with the bad first, Mike. I mean, you still – we have to acknowledge that the running game still is not up to what it really needs to be for this to be a consistent – Offense, and I frankly, you know, Mike, I thought they would have ran the ball a little bit better against Vandy and Jacksonville State. I, I thought there were kind of signs coming into the game against Kentucky. Kentucky has had some struggles defensively this year compared to the last few years, but they're still pretty good against the run. South Carolina has not been great, obviously running the football for much of the year, so I, I think that's a that's an issue going into the Clemson game again. Like you really can't go into a game expecting to just rush for 200 yards if you're South Carolina. I I think what gives you hope if you're South Carolina and you're at home, it's 7-17, and man. That's that's what you've kind of had all year long. If you can give Spencer Rattler some time, Mm -hmm. then he's going to get 17 the football. And what we've seen is when they get just a little bit more from the running game, like if they can just eke out a little bit, then it becomes pretty dynamic on offense. I I think when they are getting – very little from the running game, that's when it's just kind of disjointed. It's very based on big plays. It's kind of, all right, can can I have an explosive play on this drive? Okay, I'm probably going to exactly. score. If I, mm-hmm. if I don't get an explosive, you know, you're probably not scoring on those drives. And I I thought what really hurt them on Saturday, Mike, was just um, the penalties and the negative plays and just kind of shooting yourself in the foot. And so this offense really has not been able to – withstand those and still turn those drives into points. Now they did on the final touchdown drive. That Mm -hmm. was the most impressive thing about it is you had a third and long early on in that drive and they hit the Leggett on the little dig route. Then you had a, what is it? Second and 26 after the penalty and they got half the yardage. Then they throw the touchdown pass on 39. So they were able to withstand some situations where you're behind the sticks, which I, I think is something They've really struggled to do for, for much of the year, but different animal coming in. Pretty good Clemson defense, man. So, I, um, uh, they're going to have to have a great game plan on offense, I think.
0: Yeah. And you can read more about this on the grading the weekly keys that we do on Gamecock Central. Just dropped it on Monday. But, Wes, you mentioned, you mentioned that about some of these explosives because when you go back, I thought this was pretty crazy. Third down conversion success for South Carolina this past game. First quarter, they were three for four. Second quarter, 0 for 3. Third quarter, 0 for 3. Fourth quarter, 1 for 4. In the second quarter and third quarter, right, they go 0 for 6 on third down. They combined. They combined for 30 yards of offense. 30 yards of offense in those two quarters. So the reason I bring that stat up is because when you're not able to sustain drives, you're not going to be able to stay on the field, right? You don't have to be a rocket scientist. You don't have to be Vince Lombardi or Bear Bryant to know that. And we saw that with USC. USC. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that they haven't been able to run the ball consistently, not just this past game, but really the last three games. Those stats are inflated. Mario Anderson's first, one of the first runs he had in the opening drive against Jackson State, that was 40-plus yards. Vandy, towards the end of the game, fourth quarter, he had a 70-plus yard run. You take those two runs away, and those numbers give you a better indication of what USC has been able to do from a rushing standpoint in those two games, plus what we saw from this past week. You mentioned Xavier Leggett continues to climb the ladder literally as he moves into second now on the all-time receiving list when you look at that list from your time of covering the game Cox from your days of being a student USC just being around this program as long as you have and being a fan growing up you've seen some really talented wide receivers you've seen some really talented wide receivers Elshon Jeffrey Farrow Cooper Sterling Sharp I know Kenny McKinlan isn't in that top five. Sidney Rice is, but we can keep going on and on. Brian Edwards. But now you throw in Xavier Leggett because of the season that he's having. I know it's difficult sometimes to say, where does he go on your all-time Gamecock list? But as far as season performances, is it as simple as saying that this guy is having the number two season you've ever seen before now because he is in that number two spot? Or uh, what do you think? I mean, he's going to have – he still has plenty of, uh, of of ways to go if he wants to catch Alshon, who had the luxury of playing in a bowl game. He also had a luxury of playing in the SEC championship in that 2010 season. But where do you stack his season, what Xavier Leggett is doing in comparison to some of those greats?
1: It's tough, man. I mean, for, for first of all, the stats just kind of speak for themselves. So you can say, look, he literally has the second best Year in program history for a wide receiver. So in some ways, man, it is that simple as far as stacking them up and and trying to get some intricacies in here of um you know how did he really compare? Watching Alshon do what he did, um you know that that was special, and all, all these seasons were special. I'm trying not to be a prisoner of the moment here with Leggett, and um, you know Alshon was amazing. Watching C- Sidney Rice did it twice. That's that's incredible. He he was in you know the top five there twice, I think. So that's crazy. But I didn't really see Sterling Sharp. So our, our older Gamecock fans always chime in with, hey, man, don't forget Sterling Sharp. I didn't really watch him when he was at Carolina. So I can't really speak to that. But as far as, you know, once you start getting past Alshon, past Sidney, Leggett may – he may be right there just in terms of eye test, what he's meant to this offense, not having juice wells out there, um, not having a true just number two that's just stepped up and been consistent. You know, the tight ends have kind of taken up that mantle, it seems like. So, um, it's kind of been just other guys rotating around him. A.B. has been banged up several times this year. So, you know, I, I think we'll really be able to try to put it in perspective, Mike. When the season's over, you, hey, you could you could have a bowl game to tack onto those mm-hmm. numbers. You, you never know. So, I, I think um, it's been special, and it's been more special to me in that I don't want to say it came out of nowhere, but there's a big difference, as you know. There's a big difference between preseason hype mm-hmm. and oh man, this guy's had a great offseason. This guy's been our best receiver you know in pre in preseason this guy's been the best player all summer we hear stuff like that but it doesn't always result in a thousand yard receiving season so to everything he's done in in the offseason has translated to the game field which um I, i think is worth noting that that's special considering this is not a guy that's been doing it his whole career at south carolina he's had to develop He's had to go through some adversity. He's had to work his tail off to get where he is right now.
0: Yeah, you bring that up. And I, and I said this after the game, and I've been mentioning this a couple times over the last week or so. With all due respect to the players, with all due respect to Shane Beamer and the coaching staff, with all due respect to Xavier Leggett, anyone that would have said, oh, yeah, we, we knew that this was coming. We see him every day at practice. That's great. No one expected Juice Wells to go down early in the year. And let's call for what it is. Juice doesn't go down. Not saying Xavier Leggett doesn't have a great season. But he's not putting up these numbers just because there's not going to be uh, you're not going to be able to share the ball that many times. It's just not going to happen. Um, having said all that, it is interesting now we get to a point now. And because we're taping this show on a Monday in comparison to how we usually do on Sunday, you see some different things that pop up on Monday. Juice Wells is putting some Facebook or Instagram post up on his story, I should say. People are are interested if they'll see three this week, and I know you and me will talk about it more throughout the week. I know Wes, uh, Chris will as well, and we'll get into it more and more. What would just? I'm not going to ask you if. What would having three back out there on the offensive side in a game like this, even if he's not able to be at a hundred percent, because I always say, even from a physical standpoint, yeah, he could be back a hundred percent or even ninety percent. I don't know where he's going to be at mentally, and that's not a juice thing. It's about just any player when they come back from a lower body injury. What would having three in a uniform under the lights at williams Bryce this Saturday against Clemson mean? Well, you you mentioned williams Bryce, man.
1: Just the, the added – not that the atmosphere needs another boost, but if three walks out there in a uniform, <laughs> this place is going nuts. So it, it adds a little bit in terms of that, but I think it's just the threat that, that juice had. I mean, look at the Georgia game, which is one really, I, it's the only drive of this entire season that it felt like we had a close to 100% juice wells on the field with Leggett on the field too. And uh, South Carolina goes right down the field and scores and juice makes a play on a third and long where it's just a simple, Hey, we're going to run a, a receiver screen. And, uh, and not get our quarterback hit here, and, and Juice makes a couple guys miss, runs through a tackle, and then he scores. And so we got such a small glimpse of that. I don't think we can expect, to, you know, to your point, we can't expect him to step out there and just be the Juice we all saw last year um, from a physical, mental, or I think just as much as that, the timing, man. Just being inserted back out there into an offense where – These other guys have 11 games together where they've been out there, um, you know, throwing the football to each other, throwing catch. So that's a factor, too. But we all saw what Clemson saw what three did to them last year. Mm -hmm. So I think it changes the coverages. You can um, you can probably stretch the field a little bit more. It, It really is just a different game plan. I think if you have to worry about juice, Wells. Even, you know, if I'm Shane Beamer, I'm loving to talk about this this week just because Absolutely. now I know Clemson's prepared for it, right?
0: Absolutely. It's simply because, and we'll get into it more this week. I know on Fridays you guys really hammer it getting into, and I'm sure I don't know who the, the guests will be this week, and I'll throw Matt Conley. I don't know. But anyway, you usually get like a Clemson or someone that has, you know, Matt's on with on three now with us. But Nate Wiggins is one of Clemson's top defensive backs. And at some point, as we all know, you got to pick your poison, right? If you have another weapon out there, then you have to decide what you're going to do. Are you going to double-team Xavier Leggett, which we saw Kentucky do a lot of. They did a lot of, and at points in in the game, they weren't able to do that, and we saw what South Carolina was able to do when they didn't double-team him. So having Juice out there would be massive. Another guy who would be great to be able to see back up in the lineup this week, and I know you had a chance to go see him this past week, as we're taping this, depending on when this gets uploaded, I was I would say head on over to the Brooklyn uh, Casey. I think it's the Baptist Church around 5. But um, De'Carion Joyner is going to be doing a, a little food drive over there for Thanksgiving. If this is it, if this is the last game that South Carolina has, and I'm not trying to be pessimistic because obviously yeah. if they win, they go to a bowl game, but this very likely could be South Carolina's last game of the season, which could mean the last game for on Joyner. I hope to see him back out there. I know you've had an opportunity just like myself, but going back to his Fort Dorchester days, getting to know him. Mm-hmm. I hope that young man is back out there this weekend because what he has meant to this program. I bring that up though, Wes, because when you have had a chance to talk with, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, we hear names like Luke Doty to carry on joiner. How important has he been in being able to get South Carolina? back into this position now. And I know it's been a tough year, but to be able to get back into a position after where they were a couple years ago.
1: Yeah, man, I think, Mike, you got to have great leaders if you're going to go through adversity. And it gets a little bit cliched sometimes, but it's true, man. The stuff that goes on in that locker room day-to-day, week-to-week, you need guys that if you're the coaching staff, you know they're pulling in the right direction. They're, They're trying to pull the team along in the right direction. And that doesn't even mean they always agree with every decision the staff makes. Like you're, you're going to have disagreements within your family, but you know, I, I think you've got to have guys like to carry on who at the end of the day are going to say, Hey, um, we, we got to keep this thing moving. We got to, we got to pull in the same direction. We can disagree. And then the next morning we're, we're going to get right back to work. And so I think to carry on has been that man, I, I bumped into him last week. He was out there. Um, getting food for Harvest Hope for a a food drive um you know you can tell he wants to leave his mark on not just this football program but this community as well it's a community that he'll tell you has been fantastic to him too with you know his baby daughter and supporting him so i um you know I, this was before the Kentucky game that I was out there and i don't want to i don't want to um break his confidence but you know i talked to him and it it would mean nothing more, it would mean the world to him to be able to to find a way to get out there this week against Clemson and and actually suit up, uh, you know, in his final hmm. um, we we know final regular season game even if they win Fi- final game at Williams Bryce even if they win even if you get a bowl game it's his final game at Williams Bryce so he's doing everything in his power to rehab and try to get out there um, you know. Just knowing what we know about those injuries, it's hard to see him being 100%. But, uh, you know, maybe he can get up to a point where he can help you. We know they're thin at the running back spot. And I I know it would mean the world to De'Carion Joyner if he could get out there and and suit up to this program and play in front of these fans, uh, you know, at a place that just meant so much to him.
0: I will say this before we wrap things up. I want to talk about Jordan Strawn. DJ yeah. Braswell, I thought he did a great job coming in there. Statistically, when we talk about production, I think people look at those stats, and they're like, oh, he didn't have this many rushing yards. Oh, he did some good things from a blocking standpoint. Really good job. In the postgame show that we do, Garrett Anderson brought that up, and I thought he was spot on with it. But talking about Jordan Strawn, talking about a guy that, when we talk about injuries, coming back from him. This guy has yeah. gone through two new injuries, tore his ACL last year. He has been able to make an impact. In multiple games this season, he hasn't been probably at that level where he's wanted to be consistently just because he's come back from that injury. And We talk about those mental hurdles. However, this past weekend, he played out of his freaking mind, named SEC Defensive Lineman of the Week, two sacks, forced a huge fumble towards midfield, which really put Kentucky in a pickle. I know they got the ball back on the following drive, but it really put them in a tough spot to be able to come back because now you got to, do it even quicker. Mm-hmm. Jordan Strawn. I mean, shoot, you remember, when I remember when he transferred in here, he waited his time behind some talented guys like Aaron Sterling and J.J. Embare. Then last season, the injury happens against Arkansas. What type of player are we going to get this year? Well, here we are. During a time period where USC needs everyone to be playing at their best, and he's had, he's coming off his best game of not just the season, but since he's arrived at South Carolina.
1: Yeah, special moments there for him, I'm sure, man, and uh, to collect the two sacks and just to get the, the late one with the force fumble. I mean, dude, you're looking at that situation. Kentucky only needs a field goal to at least extend the game and tie. They're taking over at midfield. You know, I was talking to one of the guys from uh, KSR, Kentucky Sports Report. He told us before, Kentucky feels really good um, about their kicker situation from 45 yards. So, really, you're, you're sitting there saying – Kentucky's taking over at the 50. They need 20 yards to get to the 30 and feel pretty pretty close to being pretty good about it, hitting a field goal. So we know South Carolina at times has struggled to get off the field. Um, you don't want to go through four downs with Kentucky. You know, and I, I think that was kind of when people started, here we go again, probably thinking about the the uh, Florida game like you mentioned earlier, man. And so for him to just go ahead and say, look, now nah, we're ending this drive right now create a turnover, um, beat my man off the edge. Uh, Tonka gets the fumble recovery on the other end of it. That was special, man, and I, I'm sure that's a moment he's uh, he's not going to soon forget. And, uh, hey, hope hopefully, you know, Mike, that's a guy I felt like had some true NFL potential no with his length, you know, first step, quickness, reactiveness, um, and the injuries have just kept him from kind of fulfilling that potential. So hopefully he can finish this year on a bright spot and and start to maybe get some NFL attention going into um, what would be a big few months for him with the NFL draft.
0: No question, because a couple of years ago when he was at Georgia State, he led the country, was tied for the most sacks in the country, arrives at South Carolina, like we mentioned, behind Sterling, behind J.J. Anambara, he waited his time, and it was just like last season, 2022, like this was going to be the year for Jordan Strawn. He had two sacks. I guess the thing, he had two sacks early on in the season despite that ACL injury, and he was well on his way to being able to have a phenomenal season last year, in my opinion, and then being able to go on and play in the NFL. Things of force didn't go that way. Comes back this season, though, and trying to prove to people that he still has that step. He still has that step, despite the fact that it's, what, what year seven? Year, I mean, it feels like yeah. year 10 at this point, just like DK and – Luke Doty, Doty will have a chance to come back next season. So I don't know. They're going to have to get Doty a rocking chair, but point being is this, it's going to be an exciting weekend at Williams Bryce stadium it was already going to be exciting. For you got a president coming in town. You got rivalry rivalry. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be like having the state fair in town on steroids this past week, uh, this, this weekend. Uh, so point being is get there early, get there yeah. early. It is going to be a circus and, Fingers crossed that the weather will be good. He's Wes. I'm Mike Yuva. Intern Joe will be back in to see it. I'm looking down because, like I said, I can't believe Intern Joe has his own merch. Intern Joe will be it. back on the walkthrough on Sunday. But if you want to catch up with all your GC shows, head on over to the Gamecock Central YouTube page. If you're not a subscriber, sign up for free. Hit that little bell notification to get all the GC Live updates anytime one of those GC Live shows as well as videos come up. Maybe you want to see a Beamer press conference after the game. Or if you are a podcast listener, head on over to the Gamecock Central podcast platform. Enjoy the game later this week, and be sure to tune in. The uh, GC Live, Wes and Chris, they'll be on Wednesday, Friday. I'll be on tomorrow night, talking Tuesdays. We're actually going to do that at 5 o'clock. Intern Joe doesn't even know that yet, because Beamer's going to be speaking at 7, 6. Yeah, 6. I think 6, yep. 6 o'clock. And then we'll be on at, no 7, excuse me, this week. No Thursday show. Enjoy your Thanksgiving and all that. That's it. The walkthrough. Intern Joe will be back in the one seat next week.